Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. Jazakallahu khairan for joining me for another session of the IFG Weekly Tafsir, where we look at key verses pertaining to business, finance, money, and society. Ponder over them and share some key reflections and draw forth some actionable points of benefit. Today we will be going through the verses 124 and 125 from Surah An-Nisa and sharing some thoughts over their meanings. The verses go as follows. A'udhu billahi minash rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَئِكَ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ فَأُولَئِكَ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ وَلَا يُظْلَمُونَ نَقِيرًا وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ دِينًا مِمَّنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجَهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ وَاتَّبَعَ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا And the translation goes as follows. But those who do good, whether male or female, and have faith, will enter paradise and will never be wronged, even as much as the speck of a date stone. And who is better in religion than one who submits himself to Allah? while being a doer of good and following the religion of Ibrahim, inclining towards truth. And Allah took Ibrahim as an intimate friend. SubhanAllah, amazing verses. So I think there's many points of actionable benefit that we can take from these, these two verses. But a key point that I want to draw us towards that, that is finance, money and society related. And to understand this point, we first need to understand who is Ibrahim. Ibrahim was someone who is repeatedly mentioned in the Quran as someone who completely submitted to Allah's divine will fully without question. Now we as non-prophets and normal human beings, we question Allah's commands, especially if it's at an inconvenience to us. If it puts us through any difficulty, suddenly we're up in arms saying, Oh, why do we have to do this? Why are we doing that? Oh, this is too hard. Oh, Sheikh, find us a solution for this. But when we look at Ibrahim salam's story, he's not like that. You see, we prefer the easy yet haram way out rather than the haram yet halal way. Let me give you an example for a minute. Normal mortgages versus Islamic mortgages. How many Muslims are there that despite having Islamic halal proven Sharia compliant options would go for the haram option because it's easier? And mortgages are a great example of this. Normal mortgages generally tend to be slightly cheaper because there's so many banks that are offering them. So out of competition, most of the banks will make them much easier to get so that you go with them rather than the others. Whereas for Islamic mortgages, there's much shorter is a much smaller number of providers. Therefore, the competition is higher and therefore sometimes they appear more expensive than normal mortgages. But we know what underpins normal mortgages is interest, riba. Whereas Islamic mortgages, the way the contract is formulated will tell you that there's no riba involved. It's a different contract altogether. And that's what makes it Islamic 
over the conventional mortgage. But because one is easier than the other, we prefer the easier one. Another example that I can give you is bank accounts. Now you can get bank accounts that don't provide any interest in them. There's some secular providers such as Monzo and there's some Islamic bank current account providers as well. But many of us go with the conventional banks and their current accounts because even though their current accounts provide interest, we still prefer them because it's easier to reach these high street banks like Lloyd's and Barclays and HSBC because they're just down the road. Whereas with an Islamic bank, they're a lot more harder to reach or a lot more harder to deposit money into. So we don't want that extra hassle, even though it's the halal product. In fact, the current financial system that we live in is full of haram contracts, left, right and center. Almost all our utility bills have riba in them, interest written into them. We can't avoid those. But how many of us, you know, when we're signing these contracts, how many of us see, do tawba or begrudgingly sign these contracts knowing that there's haram in them? Or have we become so unfazed by these contracts that, yeah, left, right and center, we're signing this riba contract, that riba contract and all of them without feeling a thing in our heart. That is something key that we need to understand. If you're not feeling it in your heart that you are actually defying Allah's commands, even if it's out of necessity, you should still feel that guilt. You should still feel some kind of remorse that I am disobeying my creator, even though it's out of necessity. Let me tell you this. If you were dying and there was a dead pig, you're in the desert, your plane crashed or whatever. Na'udhu billah, inshallah, that never happens to any of us. But the only food that you can find is a dead pig. It's a rotting carcass. Would you eat that gleefully? Be like, oh, finally, I've got time to eat bacon now. Yeah, it's halal because, you know, I'm going to die otherwise. No, when you eat it to survive, you would still have an element of hatred in your heart that I'm eating this disgusting animal that my Lord has prohibited for me. We should be having that same attitude towards all these ribawi contracts that are written into our financial system that we have no choice but to take. An example of that is car insurance, for example, or, you know, your utility bills such as your heating or gas or energy or mobile bills. They all have riba written into them. But do you feel anything when you're signing those contracts? That's something we should ask ourselves. Now, another point of benefit we can mention is that in life, we will have a lot of chances to make money through haram means. Many, many chances. You can make haram money easily through gambling, through haram contracts such as riba-based contracts in business. You can make them through haram jobs. Think about how many Muslims, I don't know about you guys, but I'm from East London and there's a fair amount of Muslims that are dealing drugs and then going to pray salah afterwards in the masjid. That's happening. There's many, many Muslim-owned businesses that are selling alcohol in their stores. Like, look, we can't help it when we go into Tesco and Asda and Sainsbury's that they've got alcohol in their shops. Fine, we try to avoid that, whatever. But if you're a Muslim business owner, why are you selling alcohol? Don't you know it's haram to even, you know, if you get gifted a bottle of alcohol, it is haram to even gift that to your non-Muslim neighbor, even though it's halal for him. Why? Because alcohol brings evil. Those that are selling alcohol, think of how many people have gotten drunk and, you know, if any men who got drunk on the alcohol they bought from your shop and they went home and beat their wives because they were drunk or they drunk, they did some drunk driving and they, you know, hit someone and killed someone. That happened because of your alcohol, because you were selling it. But how many Muslims will care? How many Muslims will be like, why am I making money this way? 
Another way that may, people make a lot of money through haram means is through investing in haram assets. A classic example is Dogecoin and Shiba Inu. Now, these assets, most ulama say they're Ponzi schemes. They have no underlying value. There's no worth or project pegged to these coins. They're just for fun and for hype. They're built up through hype. And if you ride the wave of the hype, you might make some money, yes. But many, many people will lose out on money when the coin crashes. So do you feel something when you do these things? Many Muslims invested in Shiba Inu, and I know some of them. And despite knowing all of this, they were unfazed by the fact that it was haram. But, you know, people often use the excuse, but everyone's doing it. Everyone's investing in this. Everyone is, you know, all the Muslim shops are selling alcohol. Or, you know, a guy will say, all my friends are drug dealing. They're Muslim too. Allah will forgive. But the fact that you don't feel anything, that's worrying. And it's not an excuse to say that everyone was doing it. And this is why... Allah tells us, gives us the example of Ibrahim because that's where the test is. This dunya was never a place for us to amass wealth. It wasn't, you know, the wealth in this dunya is fleeting. It's going, it's ethereal. It will disappear one day. You won't take it with you to your grave. You'll enjoy it for a short period of time, but afterwards it's gone. Why are you amassing this wealth through the displeasure of your Lord when you know it's only going to harm you? You know that this will inshallah harm you. You know that this will inshallah on the day of judgment, this will go against you. Your limbs will tell Allah that this is what this man or woman made me do. You see, this life is a test. And whether Allah is trying to see whether you will follow the footsteps of shaitan or the way of Ibrahim. The footsteps of shaitan is the quick and easy way. It's quick. It's easy. You get what you need fast. But the way of Ibrahim is a way of real profit, I would say. Ibrahim recognizes that the ultimate win, the ultimate gain to be made is Jannah. Because there, all the profits you make in Jannah, all the properties you buy, every single thing you get, you will keep forever and you will enjoy it. But in this world, you can build, spend your whole 40, 50 years of your life building a magnificent house. But that whole house, what's going to happen to it? I'll tell you right now. When you die, your kids are going to kill themselves. They're going to fight each other. They're going to kill each other over that mansion. They're going to stop talking to each other. They're going to fight. They might even kick your wife or husband out the house when they're old just because they want that property. That's what happens. Inheritance disputes. I'm sure all of you have heard, you know, horrifying stories in this regard. So Allah wants to test us. He wants to see what we'll take. It's an exam paper. Every one of us has been given an exam paper. We've been given the rule book. The answer book is the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah has given us this book and said, these two textbooks you could say, and said, follow these and you'll win. And it's an open book exam. You're allowed to look in the Quran and see what the answer is. You can go to a mufti and say, is this halal or is that halal? Should I do this or should I not do that? Allah's given that to you. It's an open book exam. But there's situations in that the questions are situations that we're put in. And what we do is the answer we give in that exam. And Allah is going to grade that exam. And on judgment day, on judgment day, we'll be handed our results. And then you'll know if you actually made any profits or not. Now, you see, Ibrahim, salam, he had the whole pressure of his whole village. He resisted even though he meant it meant he was despised by his own father. His own father, Azar, 
threw him into the fire. I want you to imagine that. If your parents one day just turn around, in fact, not just your parents, your whole village, everyone that knows you, if they turned around and were completely against you, how would you feel? And what if they all tried to kill you? People who just yesterday, you were growing up with them. They were your local shopkeeper, your local, your barber, your friends, your uncles and aunties. Now all of them are trying to kill you. How would you feel? But what did Ibrahim do? What did Ibrahim do? He chose Allah. He said, no, this is right. I'm not going to do the wrong thing. And what did Allah give him in return? In this verse in the Quran, Allah tells us, what? And Allah took Ibrahim as an intimate friend. Now, many of you will be like, okay, yeah, cool. Allah took Ibrahim as a friend. All right. We're all friends of Allah, you know. No, I want to imagine someone that you aspire to be like or someone that who you think is a great person. Imagine if that person came to you, put his arm around you and said, you're my best friend now and always spoke to you and loved you and cared for you and looked after you. Imagine if Elon Musk tomorrow turned out to your door and said, you know what, let's be friends. Come chill in my house. Imagine if Jeff Bezos or, you know, the Queen of England, I don't know. I don't know who people are, you know, highly respect nowadays. But imagine if these people came to you and said, you know, let's be friends. You, everyone would jump at the opportunity. Who doesn't want to be, learn, you know, be close to Jeff Bezos? Because why? And I'll tell you the selfish reason why. It's because when you're close to these people that have a lot, you hope that some of their wealth will rub off on you. And that's the selfish truth. You hope that, you know, this rich king, if I become the friends of the king of England or the queen of England or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, I hope that he'll, you know, like take me out. He'll gift me a Ferrari. He'll buy me a Rolex. You know, he'll buy me a mansion or something next to his. That's what you hope for. It's a selfish inclination, I know, but it's there. It's there. That's why people would jump at the chance to be friends with them. So what if Allah said he took you as a close friend? I want you to understand how high this is. The highest of the high, the king of the kings, he took one man as a close friend. How great must that one man be? I think the key thing that we need to learn today here is to aspire to be like Ibrahim. And perhaps we may become close friends with the Creator. Because maybe, just maybe, we might not see the returns of forsaking the haram actions and the haram business transactions and the haram gains. We might not see the returns in this life. But by Allah, He Jalla Jalalahu has promised that you will see the returns in the next life. And the returns are so much that you cannot fathom what you will get. You cannot fathom it. And wallahi, by Allah, if any of us understood what Jannah is and the riches of Jannah, I swear that we would give all of our wealth right here, right now towards charity just to get that, just to attain that. We will never stop praying. But Allah has told us the rewards and we have to anticipate it. We have to be patient. We have to wait and we have to work towards it. So I think to conclude today's talk, the action point is actually quite simple. The action point is the main call of the Quran, which is submission. Submit to the Creator, submit to the Creator and forsake your wants, desires and needs for Him. Like I said, you may not see the returns in this life, but by Allah, He, Allah has promised you that you will definitely see the returns in the next life. And with that, we conclude. 
Until next time, wa akhirat da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa ant wa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.